Sława everyone, uh, Sława Bogom and welcome in I think uh, 25th episode of Searching for the Slavic Soul, uh, which is a podcast about everything pagan and everything Slavic. And as it will become apparent shortly, uh, about non-weird things too. Uh, my name is uh, Magda Lewandowska and uh, uh, today's episode will be kind of uh, one big rant uh, and one big uh, digression, which uh, I guess was well overdue, given that the last few episodes were really factual and uh, fact-driven. So uh, it's time for a little opinion piece. <laughs> uh, I will be talking today about things that people in the West... Um, they very often get wrong, like very wrong, uh, about Slavic native faith. And I think about uh, Slavs in general. Uh, I would say if you don't like my rants and <laughs> digressions, uh, feel free to skip this episode. But if you don't mind, keep listening. So we are going to start in a bit unusual unusual place in time, uh, which is the 19th of February, 1991, uh, which is when a song, Losing My Religion, uh, was released. Uh, it's a song by a band called R.E.M., which, which was an extremely popular band when I was young, but I'm not sure how popular it is right now. Uh, but the popularity of this song uh, doesn't really matter here, because what matters is how misunderstood uh, this song's lyrics were. So, uh, given the title, uh, Losing My Religion, uh, obviously the whole world thought that uh, this was a song about uh, losing one's religion. Uh, people all over the world were so convinced that uh, it's a like anti-religion song uh, that in Ireland, for example, um, I think it was either the song or just the music video. It was banned. Uh, it was deemed to be unfit for broadcasting. So I, I mean, I remember myself when I first heard this song when I was a rebellious twin and. I didn't really speak English back then, but I looked, uh, I looked up the meaning of the title of the song and I was just absolutely delighted to see that it was about losing religion uh, because this is what I was uh, planning to, <laughs> to do back then. Uh, anyway, as it turns out, the whole world was wrong. The frontman of R.E.M. and the author of the song's lyrics, uh, he, he admitted numerous times uh, in, in many interviews, uh, he kind of stressed it and explained it that the phrase losing one's religion is an idiom uh, used in the southern states of America uh, to express deep frustration with deep frustration or like losing one, I don't know, losing one's shit, I suppose you can say that. So, um, 
so the song is actually a love song of sorts. Uh, it's about uh, it's about getting frustrated and fed up with uh, not being able to express your feelings in a direct way to your love interest. And if you listen to the lyrics, knowing that is what it's about, uh, knowing that it's about like you know despairing for not being able to get together with one's love interest then it really makes sense while from um you know (laughs) actual losing religious faith point of view the lyrics um of this song don't make that much sense well you know losing my religion is a great song but i don't actually want to talk about that Uh, the reason i brought it up is because uh, it beautifully illustrates Uh, the problems that uh, self-confessed Slavic pagans have with understanding Slavic native faith. Because the whole world did not know the idioms used in southern states of America. And because of that, the whole world uh, misunderstood uh, what Michael Stripe wanted to say in exactly the same way the Western people brought up outside of Slavic culture uh, and like, you know, not they not native speakers of a Slavic, Slavic language. They and because of that, they don't understand the nuances of Slavic culture and Slavic ways of thinking and the nuances that are relevant uh, when understanding and following Slavic native faith. And therefore, the let's call them, I know, Westerners, uh, they don't understand what Slavic what Slavic native faith is about uh, and often they don't even understand what Slavic people are actually telling them. So uh, the reason why people of the West do not uh, understand the nuances of Slavic culture is because the people of the West are, as Joseph Heinrich, Stephen Hein and Ara Noren Zayan called it in the year of 2010 weird like w-e-i-r-d as in western educated industrialized rich and democratic which uh by the way in the context of the whole population of the world it's also weird the adjective weird not the acronym weird Uh, but that's a different story Uh, Anyway, the weird, uh, the acronym weird people, uh, they are not like any other type of people in the whole history of humanity. Uh, Really, weird people are highly individualistic. They are self-obsessed. They are controlling. uh, They are non-conformist and they are analytical. Uh, the self-obsession bit is particularly important in the context of um, of Slavic culture uh, because the Westerners focus mostly on themselves, uh, on their possessions, on their attributes, accomplishments, and like presentation, and uh, they value these elements over their relationships and their role in the society. And this sort 
of approach is just simply not present in Slavic native faith, uh, but also, although not entirely, in the Slavic culture as a whole. And if you don't believe me, uh, you just have a look at Wieźmy uh, and Szeptuchy. So um, the, the witches in Slavic culture, they are still around in our times. They are uh, practicing Slavic magic, uh, mostly in the villages of Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Eastern Poland and some parts of Russia. Uh, I say some parts of Russia because Russia, uh, the modern country, uh, it's culturally diverse and most certainly not uniformly Slavic. Um, so because of that, there are parts of Russia where there are still witches practicing pagan magic, uh, but it's not a Slavic magic. Uh, for example, it's like Tatar or Bashkir or Chuvash magic, uh, which, by the way, <laughs> plenty, if not majority of uh, self-proclaimed Slavic pagans in America uh, or Canada. Uh, uh, they cannot even tell tell that apart from the real Slavic uh, stuff. But, uh, well, we are not talking about the cultural diversity of Russia. Here we are talking about Wiedźmy and Szeptuchy, uh, who are Slavic witches, uh, who are still around in the modern times. Um, and everyone who has ever seen or been to uh, Sheptucha knows what Sheptucha does, uh, know, um, know how, how she does it, uh, how she looks and, well, what it's all about, really. Uh, oh, and by the way, the reason why I talk about Wiedźmy um, and Sheptuchy in a female grammatical form is because linguistically, Wiedźmy and Szeptuchy are female gender nouns in my uh, native language, as well as I believe in many, if not all, Slavic languages. So by calling them in this way, I am giving you, um, those of you who are not native Slavic speakers, a bit of an insight into the world of Slavic thinking. Uh, any Slavic native speaker who hears Wiedźma, Szeptucha, Kołdunia, Czarownica and such, uh, this Slavic native speaker is thinking a woman who knows magic. And uh, it's not because Slavic native speakers are narrow-minded, but because these Slavic nouns are actually of female grammatical gender. <laughs> so, abandon your pronoun obsessions, you who enters into the world of the Slavs, uh, uh, because of the very nature of Slavic language, everything is gendered here, including inanimate objects. So, get over it. You might uh, be weird, and therefore self-obsessed and controlling, but it does not give you absolutely any right to impose your obsession on other cultures, uh, including Slavic culture. Uh, anyway, back to Wiedźmy and Szeptuchy. 
Uh, obviously, in order to see a Slavic Sheptucha, one has to actually <laughs> get off one's sofa, get on some mode of transportation and go um, visit the Sheptucha. Uh, the other option is to be a speaker of a Slavic language, live in a Slavic culture or have access to Slavic culture, have access to media or literature in Slavic language and read about Sheptuchas or, um, for example, watch a documentary about them. Uh, but many, if not most, self-proclaimed Slavic pagans in America and Canada have not and are not planning to even consider either of the described above options. Um, they are, as I mentioned, uh, weird in the abbreviation meaning of that uh, expression. They are highly individualistic, they are self-obsessed, uh, non-conformist and analytical, and therefore, because they are highly individualistic, they need to stand out and be, you know, a highly individual individual. Uh, so uh, they figure that being a Slavic Viedma will definitely get them that uh, because, you know, Slavic culture um, is not that mainstream uh, yet, I'd say, is still quite fringe. So not many people uh, in the West heard about it. So if you live in, I don't know, Texas, for example, and you say you are Viedma, uh, everyone is like, oh, what's that? So that gets you, I mean... I mean, not you, the hypothetical weird Westerner that gives you points for being a highly individual individual. Uh, and then, too, because you're self-obsessed, you figure that it's super important that everyone acknowledges that you're a Viedma now, because, you know, without uh, everyone acknowledging it, it does not count in your self-obsessed, weird state of mind. <laughs> so, uh, and now, the real Slavic Viedzme, they don't really advertise it. They don't wear any particular kind of symbols or look in any particular way. They don't go on the internet telling everyone they're Viedzmas. Uh, they actually don't go anywhere telling people who they are. Uh, they don't advertise it because they don't have to. Uh, their job is to serve their community, to uh, to provide sometimes spiritual guidance or sometimes like physical healing uh, and to just basically help the members of their community. Uh, the community knows who the Sheptuha is because, well... Because when you live in Ukraine, Białoruś, Eastern Poland and such places, you know who's who in your community. You just you just know it. Uh, because in non-weird, in the acronym meaning of this word, in non-weird part of the word, uh, people focus on relationships and on social roles while living their lives. Uh, it's not about who I am and how I can express myself to others. Uh, it's about what are my skills, uh, talents, my abilities, and how can I uh, use 
uh, them to contribute to my community. So a real Viedma provides, let's call them like magical and supernatural services to her community. And that's it. She lives a normal life. Otherwise, she wakes up in the morning, has a cup of tea uh, or something. She feeds her chickens or, I don't know, tidies up her house or something. And if someone needs her help, this someone comes around and she helps if she can. And that is it. But the the Western, the weird version of Viedma is something entirely else. Because for a weird self-proclaimed Viedma, it's not about being a useful member of the community. It's about expressing oneself and making sure that the individuality is seen and acknowledged. And because, and that's point number three, because the weird people are also non-conformist. They have absolutely zero problems with arguing with real, legit Slavic people that these Slavic people, and you know, they are telling these Slavic people that these Slavic people are wrong and that they, like the the weird, the self-proclaimed Slavic Westerners, they are, in fact, Viedmas. and I, I mean, and I know it sounds bonkers, or I hope it sounds bonkers to you, because it does to any non-weird Slavic person. But in the delusion-driven realm of weird, self-proclaimed Slavic pagans, it does happen quite a lot. Uh, last year, for example... Um, such such situation took place uh, on uh, back then uh, back in the day it was a very good uh, place to be it was quite uh, quite a good um, kind of uh, online community uh, it was a discord server for slavic pagans uh, nowadays is quite useless uh, because this survey it started off very well, uh, but as the time went on, it got taken over by the weird people, the W E I R D people, who, uh, who to make it even funnier, <laughs> some of them, I think it's called woke, uh, that they follow these, you know, these die rules, these D I E or DEI, I don't know. It's like the diversity, inclusion, and equity, which, you know, sounds great, but applied by the weird people is just really, uh, really uh, bigoted, I guess, would be the best word. So uh, what happened on the server went as follows. Uh, One of the weird members... Uh, started claiming that they are a Viedma and started uh, sharing some sort of BS book of Veles type fake lore, uh, explaining what uh, being Viedma means. Um, to that, uh, one of the most knowledgeable and uh, most accomplished, really, member of the server uh, said, 
well, basically what I have just said. Uh, so he said that proclaiming oneself to be a Viedma does not make anyone Viedma. And I think he also added that this new age weird fake lore worshipping pseudo Viedmas are making bad name for actual Slavic pagans, which uh, it's a valid point from a non-weird point of view. Because as I hope you remember, non-weird people care more about the community than they care about themselves. So they, for example, care how their actions influence other people. Uh, they, I mean, we, the non-weird Slavs, <laughs> we have this thing that it might sound really foreign or old-fashioned to you, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, the non-weird people, they care how they represent their community. They care how their actions and words reflect on the people who, which also might sound strange to you, uh, the people who stand behind them. Um, because one thing that non-weird people have that the weird people don't and likely will never truly have is the community that stands behind them, uh, just supports them and roots for them no matter what. And uh, please don't think I'm like patronizing you or think you're stupid, but I am going to explain it at length because um, I have noticed that a lot of people in the West, they really don't get it. So um, if any one of you have ever had a, a proper Slavic friend, so a properly befriended person uh, who was brought up in a proper Slavic culture um, in, I don't know, Poland or Ukraine or, I don't know, Serbia, for example, you might have noticed that this, that this, this friend um, might not stay in touch with you for months or years, but if you're in trouble or you need help, this friend just shows up and helps you like you've never been helped before. And this is what I'm talking about. Uh, this is how living in a Slavic country with a Slavic family looks. So to a, to a weird person, uh, a proper Slavic family might act <laughs> like they hate each other guts they tell each other mean i mean mean to a weird person mean things they fight constantly they argue it's like they just at each other's throats <laughs> at all times so to a weird person it looks terrible but to a non-weird person this is uh this is actually caring and being kind because um if you as a, for example, child, uh, do stupid things or say stupid things, uh, your Slavic family is being kind and helpful by informing you about it straight away. Because it's not good for you to be doing or saying stupid things. So your family is helping you to notice your mistake and to make sure you don't make it again. And I am aware that uh, in weird families, um, it's 
all about giving space to explore or I don't know, uh, discover yourself like, you know, for teenagers, but for a non-weird person, it just sounds <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Firstly, because being yourself is not something that you have to discover. You are who you are always and at all times. You can be anyone else. Like you, you can pretend to be someone else, but it's still you pretending to be someone else, not actually someone else. Similarly, if um, if you, I don't know, go to therapy and uh, decide to change your life, turn it around or something, it is still you. You, you might be changed. Uh, you might have a dif different values now, but it's still you. Always, at any moment of your life, from the second you are born to the, you know, the last breath you, you take, it's you and only you. You don't have to go and look for yourself. You only have to live your life in your body. And through doing that, you will find out uh, what you are capable of or, or not. That is also, by the way, a non-weird way of looking at an individual. You are you. Get over yourself and get over here to help others. That's the self-discovery, the Slavic way. Just, you know, do stuff and see what works best for making yourself a, a useful member of your family and community. Uh, by the way, the weird obsession with finding your true self or being your authentic self has become <laughs> so crazy that uh, some modern philosophers, they start to see, um, to see it as a sort of fetishist behavior. And by fetish, I do not mean here like the sexual fetish, but more like general anthropological meaning of this word, uh, which, you know, uh, fetish is an object that is looked at with awe and considered as having like magical potency, uh, which is a point of view I find absolutely hilarious, but also very insightful. Uh, anyway... I was talking about non-weird parenting approaches. A, uh, a non-weird teenager does not need to be given space to explore because most of the things that an average teenager do in order to, you know, explore or discover, there are things that the previous generations have already explored and discovered and confirmed to be stupid and not productive. Uh, the Slavic family is helping its children to learn from others' mistakes, while the weird family is encouraging its children to keep making the same mistakes their parents and, you know, grandparents did, which makes no sense whatsoever. 
like to a non-weird person obviously it makes no sense it's not that a slavic family will reject you if you keep making uh, stupid things Um, they keep (laughs) telling you (laughs) to stop doing Uh, they absolutely will not then when you make one mistake too much uh, when you fall and really mess up uh, the slavic family is always always there to catch you and they will obviously tell you many times why you were stupid for doing uh, what they told you not to do but they will help you nevertheless they will patch you up they will sort you out they will help you back on your feet and then they will kick you out there again so you know you get to <laughs> to do it again hopefully better this time and uh, this is exactly what your slavic friends if you ever had any this is what they are doing they uh, get out of your hair when you are doing well because clearly they are not needed you obviously know what you're doing you're being successful so they leave you alone but when you make a mistake or when you you know when things go south uh, they are there for you mate you know to catch you to be with you uh, because the fact that you don't see them when your life is good it does not mean they are not there Uh, they are there Uh, standing behind you being your non-weird friends who actually care and are ready to help you when you need them and you know the modern slavic approach it's only an echo of how it was back in the day among the the original slavic pagans which is very important from the point of view of a follower of slavic native faith because what we are trying to do in Rodnoveri, we are trying to reconstruct the system of beliefs of our pre-Christian Slavic ancestors. Um, if you look at the earliest codifications of Slavic tribal laws, you will very quickly see that an individual did not have much of a value to our ancestors. An individual, for example, did not have any property everything of value was owned by the whole family and by the whole family i do not mean a nuclear family you think about nowadays when you think about family i am talking a huge multi-generational family almost like you know a kinship base based corporation really with aunts and uncles and you know a whole array of people that all slavic languages have names for but in english as far as i understand you just call them cousins or in-laws or something like that but in slavic languages they not cousins or in-laws they are like they are synowce bratanki siostrzeńce stryje Teściowi, świekrowi, zięciowie, snechy, zełwy, dziewierze, jatrwy, swaki, szurzy or przedwiecie. You know, the level of precision one can follow um, kinship relation in Slavic languages is unbelievable to an English speaker and it reflects how important family is to us, to the Slavs. 
and to our ancestors even it was even more important because the reasons why one had to keep eye on all these family relations is to know who owns what because the land the house the livestock it did not belong to let's say uh, a patriarch or his sons as very often falsely weird pagan feminist claim it actually belonged to every member of the family this is why and that actually was a big problem for christian missionaries uh which is a different issue i'm not even going to go there today so um when a person died uh, like a slavic person uh, the land of this person's family could not just be like have been given to a monastery or the church which is how church got you know all the land uh, in the west uh, because it belonged to the whole rood or rod which is basically an universal slavic name for the large multi-generational family uh, and the legal codices written in early medieval times they reflect that they also reflect that uh, what i mentioned earlier which is uh that actions of every member of the rood reflected on the whole rood so the whole family or i guess you can can call it clan clan could be a better word here so um for example um if you killed somebody uh, as a you know pre-christian slavic pagan what you did and responsibility for what you did was taken on by you whole rood and the rood so the family of the person you killed had every right to take it out on you and your family initially of course the revenge was taken so you had to be killed to pay for what you did and the whole family of the person you killed had to like literally it was their duty to kill you uh, but after the Slavs started to become more, uh, let's call it for a lack of better word, civilized, I suppose, uh, the duty to kill you was replaced by the duty to pay for what you did. So if you killed someone, uh, you and your family had to pay the blood money, which in Polish is called gwówszczyzna, and the codices actually list who has to pay how much uh, so yeah back then it was your rude your family responsibility to bring you up in such a way uh, <laughs> that you didn't get in trouble because if you got in trouble and uh, for example killed someone uh, you whole, whole rude had to pay for it uh, but where was i uh, discord server and viedmas uh, so yeah the knowledgeable member of the discord server was being kind and helpful and supportive in a non-weird slavic way he pointed out that you know he pointed out the errors of the self-proclaimed weird viedma uh, he showed a way to fix it and uh, he got banned for get this not being inclusive i have to admit i could not believe it um my slavic pagan friends who are a bit more accustomed 
to dealing with weird people they were not uh, they were not surprised and they had a good laugh but i was like what the actual fuck? i mean to exclude someone for not being inclusive is like i don't know raping virgins to check if they are virgins you can of course do that but what's the point you will only end up with no virgins at the end of this of this exercise same with inclusions it's like by definition if you want to be inclusive you've got to include people not exclude them and if you exclude or ban people that's not being inclusive is it Uh, but of course to weird people it makes absolute sense because weird people are self-centered and self-obsessed so everything they do they do to to present themselves in themselves in a certain way uh, by the way it's called virtue signaling so it's like acting in a way that ensures that everyone will see you as this amazing person with lots of virtues because it's not about anything else but your your relationships your family your society tradition other cultures nothing matters but you this is why weird slavic pagans have no problems with following fake lore making up fake lore misappropriating slavic tradition for financial gains or you know to gain more followers on social media because for them for the weird people the tradition cherished for over a thousand years by countless generations of slavic people tradition memorized and passed orally not in writing protected from you know christianization and many many attempts to eradicate it this this is hundreds of years of history to weird people it means nothing if it cannot be used to propel the self image of the weird another thing that weird people do is analytical thinking i mean no majority of weird people don't really think analytically uh, they only think that they are because analytical thinking is very difficult and it's uh, also completely against how human brains are wired so you need a proper training as well as lots of control in place to do it right and even people who have training and uh are sub- subject to many controls so for example scientists they cannot always get it right but still every single weird slavic pagan i interacted with they think they think they think they can think analytically and they are also pleased with themselves so what does this analytical thinking include analytical thinking is the opposite of holistic thinking so you don't look at the whole thing but you look at the small elements of this thing and you draw conclusions based on that 
which can be very useful if you are a scientist, for example, and are trying to understand, I don't know, a human reproductive system. Uh, you don't have to look at the whole thing. Uh, the whole thing is super complicated, so I don't think it's actually possible to just look at it in one go. But you look at individual elements like, you know, ovaries or pituitary gland, and then you can compare these elements in a human to the same elements in, I don't know, a chicken or a rat. And then you can draw comparison. Then you can like formulate a hypothesis and go back to check how it applies. Then perhaps you can make some adjustments basing on the elements of your hypothesis and that if it doesn't work, then you go back and test it again and so on until you get it right. This is what analytical thinking is for. This is what it's for, to understand the whole thing, but looking at small elements of this thing. But <laughs> the weird Slavic pagans, they skip the whole testing and they, they, they compare, comparing and they're thinking it through and they just jump straight to conclusions. Because, as we've already established, it's not about understanding the unknown culture. It's about using it to build up the individual individuality of a weird person. So, what do we have as a result of this approach? We have an American who does not speak Polish, doesn't even understand Polish, never been to Poland, doesn't have the foggiest clue about Polish culture, but this person inherited a Polish surname, so obviously claims to be Polish. Uh, this American does not want to be Roman Catholic, which is the default religion in Poland, but wants to have like, you know, a spirituality because you know, you cannot be an authentic, weird self without spirituality. So, you know, the obvious choice is Slavic pagan. And now, remember, this American person fancies themselves an analytical thinker who does research. So this person goes to the internet and finds ancient of course, they have to be ancient because medieval is just not fancy enough. So, yeah, this person finds ancient sources of which there is not a lot. And then after this analysis, like quote unquote analysis, this person concludes that the original pagan Slavs dropped the ball with regards to their religion. They like did not try hard enough and just gave in, gave in to Christianization and let their religion to be forgotten. And you know, in the eyes of this weird American person, this is just simply not good enough. And wait for it. It angers this person so much because obviously if the early medieval pagan Slavs really cared, if they really cared, they would have been more, <laughs> they would have like do, do it in a way that there would be more sources, sources left. Elsewhere, I do not make it up. 
this sort of issue pops up in the modern pagan social media all the time. And any, you know, not even Slavic pagan, but any non-weird person hears or reads something like that and goes like, what? Like, how? Like, how far one's head has to be in one's ass to come to such conclusion. Like, how entitled a person has to be to have an expectation that people living in the 10th or 11th or 12th century should live their life in a way to satisfy the future need of a 21st century damas. And I use the word damas here on purpose and being fully aware of what I'm saying here because, you know what, let's just break it down. This American lives obviously in Northern America on the land that was forcefully taken from its native inhabitants. And the native inhabitants nowadays are not even called by their proper name because they are called native or indigenous Americans, even though it's not their name. America is the name given to this land by a German called Martin Waldseemüller to honor the achievement of an Italian merchant called Americo Vespucci. The people who were nearly wiped off the face of the planet call themselves by many different names. Names like Cherokee, Navajo, Apache, Aleut and others. And to make it clear here, these names are Americanized too. I wish I could pronounce these names in their native languages as I can pronounce Słowianie in my native language. Słowianie is a name of Slavs in Polish. But the native languages of the original inhabitants of America are being forgotten too. And let me remind you, the slaughter inflicted on these indigenous people only happened over the last four or five hundred years. What was done to the Slavs by Christians? It started happening over a thousand years ago. Yet, Yet, you know, in the eyes of this completely delusional, self-proclaimed Slavic pagan, our ancestors did not f***ing try hard enough. I mean, the level of misunderstanding is just astonishing here. Like, it's not even a mistaken point of view. It's a whole f***ing mistaken reality. Like... This person, the people, because as I said, such statements are issued on weird pagan social media regularly, is completely delusional. Like the reality, the history, the facts are here. And this person resides, I don't know, in Honolulu or something. This is crazy. But 
because I am trained in analytical thinking, I'm going to analyze it. So hopefully the weird people have some sort of a template to hopefully review their self-obsessed delusions. So let's start with the core of this statement. What our ancestors did or didn't do angered this person and this person felt it's appropriate to express that feeling. From a standpoint of Slavic native faith, it is, it's so wrong, it's so wrong. I find it difficult to express it in English because we, the Rodnovers, the Slavic pagans, we venerate our ancestors. We are not angry with them. We respect them and honor them. Whatever our ancestor did or did not do, we are sure they did their absolute best given the circumstances. This is the starting point when you venerate ancestors. Your ancestors did absolutely everything they could and that is just it. And if you don't like what your ancestors did, you either don't talk about it because as a road novel, you only can talk about your ancestors in a respectful manner. Or the other option is that you thank your ancestors for um, making what you consider a mistake so you can learn from it and don't make this mistake yourself. And that is it. Uh, as to the absolutely idiotic statement that uh, our ancestors did not fight the Christianization enough. Mate, read the history, why don't you? Huh? In the early medieval ages, Christianity was imposed on the followers of native European pagan faiths with a sword and fire. Literally. Temples were destroyed. Destroyed. Pagans were slaughtered. If you don't believe me, read these freaking ancient sources of yours. Read about Christianization of the Polabian Slavs, about the fall of Arcona. Read about what was done to the Balts who fought tooth and nail to keep the Christians out of the land. I mean, to even think that not accepting Christianity in the early medieval ages in Europe, that it was even an option for anyone, it's pure, unadulterated, crazy, delusional rubbish. And when it's coming from a person who lives in America or Canada comfortably prospering from the destruction of native cultures, it shows absolutely unprecedented level of ignorance. And then there is the whole body of Slavic pagan heritage preserved by generations of Slavic people. There are Slavic languages and dialects, like dozens of them, that you can study and you can 
do comparative analysis on them and you can actually extract the pagan way of thinking from them. There is the whole branch of linguistic called onomastics that studies the names of rivers and mountains or, I don't know, plants and can be used to figure out where Slavs lived and how they lived. They are the proverbs, the tales, the language morphology. You can study to learn more about pagan Slavs. And that is just the language. Because a part of language or languages, Slavic languages, they are also like folklore. There is history. There is cultural anthropology. All, all these elements that one can study to understand the world of pagan Slavs. But in order to have access to all of this body of knowledge, one has to actually make an effort. And that is clearly not something that the self-proclaimed Slavic pagans are willing to do. But again, from a weird perspective of self-obsessed individualistic individuals, I guess, it makes sense because for such people it's not about... Uh, understanding the unknown. Uh, it's not about connecting with one's heritage and with generations of people who preserved Slavic pagan religion. It's not about building relationships with the past and the present and the future, also members of your family and community. Instead, it's about, you know, me. I mean, not me as Magda, but me as this self-obsessed person. You know, I need to be this super unique and individual person and I need it now. So no wonder there's no time to study, to learn, to attempt to understand. Because if you're stuck in a self-obsessed bubble, nothing matters if it does not give you what you want. So you stop talking to people who don't affirm your delusional self-identifications you ban people who you can learn from because, you know, learning something would mean that you are not all know knowing already. And, you know, we cannot have that, can we? So you isolate yourself from different cultures and from different points of, points of view and you call it being inclusive. And the other weird people cheer you on because they also want to be inclusive and signal their virtues by, uh, let's call it what it is, by disassociating from the reality. Because in the reality, in the real world, if you exclude someone, you are by definition not inclusive. And if you talk rubbish about culture you don't know, you know absolutely nothing about, that is being a xenophobe, not a lover of diversity. And using cultural heritage of your own ancestors to build your own delusional identity of a vijma, for example, is being a narcissistic and inconsiderate egomaniac. And now, if you want to be all these things, go ahead. It's your choice. But just so we are clear, having a spirituality or following a religion that is built around enforcing your own delusion and 
showing others how amazingly individual you are is not really going to give you what a religion or spirituality is supposed to give you. And a healthy, functional religion or spirituality is an evolutionary developed tool of humankind that has been developed to allow people to survive and thrive through lifetime of adversities. A healthy spirituality or religion is designed to make you less fragile, anti-fragile even, is designed to help you to live a meaningful life regardless of circumstances. And religion like Slavic native faith has been tested and proven to do just that for hundreds of generations of people who lived in conditions far worse than you currently live. Like really far, far worse. So by all means, if you want to be a delusional, self-absorbed Viedma who disrespects her ancestors and who doesn't speak a single Slavic language. Go for that. However, by the very nature of your self-centered delusion, you will be forced to interact with people dumber than you who will only bring you down. Because there isn't a single reasonable person, Slavic or not, who will want to have a meaningful relationship with a crazy pseudo-Slavic moron who talks for hours about the esoteric nature of ancient wisdom and threatens to like cast a curse on people while actually not having a single bit of knowledge or skill to actually do that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, money-wise, you might actually do well for a while, but sooner or later, even the most stupid people will realize you are a crook, and then the money will run out. And then what would you do? You will not have a single reliable friend because you'll chase them all away with your self-obsession. You won't have a family to support you because if you are so delusional, your family is either as delusional as you or they don't want to have anything to do with you. So then, when you're at your worst, you will not have anyone to help you out. And, uh, well, that is going to be really sad And I kind of feel sorry for you already. (laughs) But then I realized that I have just warned you not to go and not to follow this path. I warned you uh, in the most kind and loving way of the Slavs. So um, if you decide to go for it anyway, it's a new babe. I mean, obviously, it's not your fault that you were brought up in the way you were brought up uh, and uh, that certain values or points of view were instilled in you by your culture or environment. However, saying that, it might not be your fault who you are 
but it is your responsibility uh, what you do about it. So um, as a little exercise, I would like to encourage all the self-proclaimed Slavic pagans of the weird type uh, to forget about your self-obsession for a while. Uh, stop doing things that you've been using to proclaim yourself to be of this Slavic pagan identity and uh, start doing things that a Slavic pagan would actually do. So, instead of building your online Viedma persona, go out in the world and actually try to help people. Like, I don't know, volunteer or something. And uh, hopefully that will let you, uh, that will allow you to realize that uh, enforcing your carefully curated image on other people is not as much fun as uh, going out in the world to see what you are actually capable of by actually getting useful stuff done in the way non-weird people have done for like millennia. Um, and that is all for today. Uh, if I lived in Texas, I'd say that <laughs> I have been losing my religion in this episode, but well, I'm not in Texas. <laughs> oh, I am just going to say it's good to have a rant every now and then. I guess after a couple of informative episodes, the ranty side had to come out <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, rest assured, next time I'll try to go back to being informative and uh, factual. Although I guess the rant will have to come out every now and then. Um, as always, uh, if you have anything to say, uh, anything whatsoever, get in touch. Um, and I will link all the contact details uh, in the notes for this episode. And for now, take care. Uh, try to exercise the acronymic weird out of your Slavic soul. And uh, Suava!